Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby. We're doing a series for the next four weeks um, in Advent. I was talking to a friend just recently about um, Advent, and he's been raised in the church for quite a few years. And um, he was like, I, I'm like, what do you think the meaning of Advent, what does it mean? What's the significance behind it? And he's like, you know what, we've celebrated this for years and years and years, but I have no idea what it means. You know, Advent really means the beginning of an event, the Im- imita- invention of something, or the arrival of a person. For us, you know, the arrival of an event is Jesus, it's typically the four Sundays before Christmas, and we would love for you, I would love for you to add us into your Christmas tradition. The Christmas tradition of watching your favorite Christmas movie, like Die Hard. You know, we would love for you to add us in to your Christmas tradition this year. As we prepare, prepare ourselves for Christmas, I would love for you to watch for the next few four weeks as we light an Advent candle each week, and then we light the last candle, the fifth candle on Christmas Eve showing us that Christ is light in the darkness. I know that our Christmases are going to look a lot different this year. Last Christmas, we had um, about 40-plus people in our, in our home for a Christmas party. This year, we, can, we can't even have a friend over. Like we're really locked into our family unit. So I just would love for our church, for Live Free Church, to bring hope this Christmas, to bring Jesus this Christmas. And that's what we want to do. But I think for, for all of us, whether or not you believe in Jesus, whether or not this is your first time here or not, that we all have a few things in common. Right? That you and I celebrate a day every year called Christmas. It's the one holiday you and I can't miss. Right? If you drive down Harvey and Kelowna, you see the Tree of Life. You see Christmas lights in your neighborhood. You go to the mall, it's packed full of Christmas stuff. You go, to, you go to someone's house, if you actually can go to someone's house, and you see all the Christmas decorations. I know one of my friends actually decorated their Christmas tree before Halloween. Right? I think this year more than ever that we are living in expectation that Christmas needs to come. I think about this, this line from the, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, which my kids are reading right now in the evenings. And they talk about how in Narnia, if you've read Line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, that it's always winter but never Christmas. That's the witch's curse. I think this year feels like that a little bit. It feels like that we've lived in this, this really challenging year, but we're living in expectation knowing that Christmas is coming. That Christmas is bigger than just an event. It's bigger than just our, our presence, the consuming, it's consumable goods. But it's hard to miss Christmas. Because Christmas is everywhere, right? You drive out and grab a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and there's a, a cup that reminds you that Christmas is coming, right? If you stop to think about it, the birth of a peasant boy 2,000 years ago in the Middle East has caused a lot of commotion. Such commotion that you and I still celebrate it whether or not you know his name, whether or not you know it. So you may never have realized this, but every time you check on your calendar or refer to a date, you're, lo- you're using Jesus Christ as your reference point. 
See, because of Jesus, history is divided into B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. See, every event on your calendar today is, is dated by how many days and years it has been since Jesus appeared on earth. See, even your birthday is dated by his birthday. But I'm asking this question this, th- today, actually, is, is what do you celebrate? And, and are you celebrating the thing worth celebrating this Christmas? Like, are you celebrating the fact that Jesus changed the world 2,000 years ago, but, but Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection is changing people's lives every single day, and that brings us hope. So for the next four weeks, we're going to spend some time in Matthew's gospel in chapter 1, verse 18. It's four weeks, four sermons, looking at the exact same passage, unpacking a Christmas narrative that all of our lives are marked by whether or not you're aware of it or not. This gospel is written by Matthew, who's a tax collector, an eyewitness to Jesus. See, that's the reason why we can know these accounts are true, is because people walked alongside Jesus. They saw him. Some of his disciples saw him growing up. Right? That's when like, Levi talked about this a few weeks ago in the, the free people being available, that the fishermen knew Jesus before he called them. See, the reason why we can look at the Bible and realize it's trustworthy is because people walked alongside Jesus. They saw his life, his death, and remarkably his resurrection. Let's read this Christmas story, nativity story, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And it says here, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel which has translated God with us. See, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angels had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until after she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. You see, when Jesus shows up in the Gospels, there are problems, always problems. You know, it's silly, it's easy to say, that people believed in miracles in those days. In Jesus' time, right, in this biblical narrative, it's so easy to say that they believed in angels back then, but for us, right, we live in a society where we still are focused on the supernatural. See, here Joseph is saying that he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe in miracles either. He's just a normal person. He's saying that that I'm going to have to actually divorce Mary. Either she's crazy or she's a traitor. See, an angel shows up and they have this incredible argument, in a sense. See, it's not as obvious with Joseph as we can see in the account with Mary. If you read back in the account with Mary, but the issue is the same thing that Mary dealt with and Joseph dealt with. It's 
the drama in this account is really about a name. That's what I'll focus on today is the name. A name that's so common that has become a swear word in our vocabulary for most people. If you're a Christian, you become like almost immune to it. It's like this Bible school answer. It's like if you have any kind of like question that comes up, you're like, Jesus? Like that's what you respond with. But it's, this account is about a name. See, the Lord shows up in the form of an angel and says to, to the father, Joseph, I will not let you name this child. Like this is the name you're going to give him. He's my son. That's what he's trying to say here. You see, like, the drama, there's drama here because it's really the parent's right to name the child. Especially in those days, for the father to name the son, it was so significant. But the Lord shows up and says, you're not going to name this son. You're not going to name my son. See, this is the name he's going to have. That's what the Lord says to Joseph. See, the climax of the story, you notice in verse 25, where Joseph kind of gives the name the Lord had given him to give to Jesus. In other words, Joseph submits, but it takes a bit. It takes almost a bit of of Joseph arguing with an angel. (laughs) If you think about my stubbornness and your stubbornness, think about Joseph's stubbornness. This whole passage is talking about a name, multiple names of Jesus. We're talking about a name this week, another name next week. But no one's allowed to name Jesus. That only God gives Jesus his name. He takes away the right from his, his earthly parents. So you understand the purpose of this, the meaning of this, the significance of this. We have to spend a little time seeing what the Bible says about the significance of a naming event. See, when you look at uh, the teaching of a naming event in the Bible, you go through the Old Testament and look at all the characters that, you know, people, their, their names had significance and purpose behind them. But what does the naming event of Jesus tell us? And how does it apply to you in our lives that, that when you look at what we celebrate this Christmas, why does it make a difference? So we look at it this way. Uh, in the Bible, a person's name is never just a, just a name. <laughs> I think in our culture, when you think about when we look at a name, we like the sound of it. Or we like a famous actor or actress. When you think about a name, you know, we talk about um, maybe a YouTube star or an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or grandpa. That was not the case in these biblical times. You know, like the number one, I was doing some reading, the number one name that isn't used this year. Do you want to know what that number one name isn't used? (laughs) It's Karen. No one wants to name their kids Karen in 2020, right? For 2020 forever, we'll we'll realize that people don't want to name their kids Karen. But for us, you know, when we we name someone, I name my son Beckett, right? I don't walk into a room and go, this is Beckett. His name means, you know, settler by the edge of a river. I don't say, hey, this is Estelle, right? My daughter, whose name means a star, right? We just like the name. That's our culture. But in biblical times, that was not the case. In biblical times, there was significance and purpose behind them. I remember when we were having kids that we would actually spend evenings, maybe the same way, we spent evenings looking at 101 kids' names or babies' names. 
just looking over and over and over and over, circling names, and we'd circle, I'd have a book, and Lori would have a book, and we'd go through it, and we'd circle a name, and we'd come back, like, you know, an hour later, and be like, what about this name? So I actually know, I know, I know a Sebastian, we're not calling him that. Or, I know this person, or I know this person. I, I'm, we're not calling our kids these names. Right? Like, I think it can become this, like, argument, this, like, this discussion about a name, because for us, we want to we hear the sound of a name. In the Bible, your name is your identity. It's the deepest secret of who you are is locked up in your name. Right? It, it, there's purpose behind it. Not just they like the name. See, naming events always have kind of two aspects in the Bible. One is there's a source of the name. See, who gives you the name is extremely important because it's someone, the person who names you is your superior. Like naming is always the work and the act of a superior. See, that's the reason why Joseph, even though he wanted to name Jesus something, he couldn't because guess what? Joseph isn't Jesus' superior. That's why the father had to name his son. See, the name which ended up being so simple, which really comes off of this Hebrew name, Joshua. Right? And I think the, the significance of Jesus' name, which is Yeshua, is the Greek version of the Hebrew version of Joshua. See, the, this, the first part is that there's always significance about who names the person because it always has to be their superior. And that's why it's so profound in this passage where an angel shows up representing the Lord saying, Joseph, you cannot name this son because he's my son. The second aspect of the name is always the content issue in those times, in biblical times. Your, your name tells us what you're here to do. Even this passage, we're told that that you should call his name Jesus. Why? Because his life work, it says here, he will save people from their sins. See, Jesus, or Yeshua, is his name. But by the way, Jesus is just a Hellenized version, a Greek form of the Hebrew word, the name Joshua. And I, and I was reading about this. You know, so, some people, actually, Spurgeon was talking about how the fact that when you look at the term Joshua, like Joshua did something that Moses could never do. Right, if you look back in the Old Testament, like Joshua led people out of out of Egypt, out of actually the, the desert into the Promised Land. See, Moses led them out of Egypt, but but Joshua led them into the Promised Land. And I think what what the biblical narrative is trying to say here is that where Joshua failed, Jesus completed. That Jesus actually is able to, for, to save us from our sins, but actually lead us into the promised land. That's why Jesus' name was Yeshua, and it really breaks down in the Lord saves. There's a lot of names for Jesus, a lot of titles. And the Bible says he's, he's the wonderful, wonderful counselor, the, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But the one name that God's very jealous to put into his name is Jesus. And it means he's Savior, that he came to rescue us. 
And that's what I want to celebrate this Christmas, that we need rescuing. That in his name, you and I were thought of. That our salvation was thought of. That in his name, there's purpose that we so flippantly think about. Like Jesus, we say Jesus all the time. Like people swear and say, you know, like his name. But also Christians, I think, have just like whitewashed his name. Like they don't even understand the significance of it. But I'm talking about today when I read this passage, that there is such deep significance in his name that it's actually worth celebrating because you and I were thought of. We can celebrate that that you and I can, can realize that we are way more sinful than we can possibly imagine. And that's why we need to be rescued this Christmas. That's why it said that Jesus came to rescue, to save us from our sin. See, if you don't know his name, but if you don't know his purpose, I don't think you know Jesus. You might know the version you want to know of Jesus, or the version that you're making Jesus to be. A version like yourself, but But Jesus came with such purpose and passion to save people from their sin. It's written into his name. You're written into his name. See, everything in our our world points to Jesus whether you like it or not or whether you're aware of it or not. Your daytimer, your birthday declares that Jesus lived, that he came, that he came to rescue us, rescue a world full of brokenness and sin. And that is what we need to celebrate this Christmas. That a name changes everything. That you can celebrate knowing that there's hope in this season, even when you don't feel like there's hope in this season. What are you celebrating? And how are you celebrating? Because this Christmas is going to feel different. Years ago, when I lived in Surrey, you know, in, like I've worked pretty much almost every Christmas Eve for the last 15 years. And so it means that we don't get to go home a lot to see our family. We have a lot of family in Quinnell and, and um, family in Mission in Vancouver. And a lot of times when we're working and doing a Christmas Eve service, it means that I'm home late. Really, like I'm home usually when the kids have opened some of their Christmas Eve presents and I show up and the appies are out on the counter because they've actually been cooked. I remember one year we were in Surrey and we couldn't go home. And so our, our best friends invited us over for the Christmas Day dinner. And I was like, man, like, we need to celebrate this year. I felt really convicted. Like, we need to celebrate Jesus. And I don't know about you, but if you celebrate a birthday, if I celebrate a birthday in my family, there's one thing that we desperately need for every birthday. And uh, you might be the same as us, is we need a Dairy Queen ice cream cake, right? Like, it's not a birthday until there's, like, fudge, layer of, of uh, vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream and those little, like, crumbly cookie bits. Like, we need that for Christmas. So I went down to, to uh, Dairy Queen. I went to the counter, and I, I bought this, the biggest cake I could find. And I took it to the counter, and she's like, um, what would you like on this? Do you want something written on it? And I was like, actually, yeah, I would love to have something written on this. She goes, okay, what, what do you want written? I'm like, well, I want to say happy birthday, Jesus. And she looked at me <laughs> like I was a crazy person. And she's like, okay, like, okay, uh, yeah, just, she, can you write it out? 
like, okay, I'll write it out. So I wrote it out. Happy birthday, Jesus. Right? She's like, okay, it's going to be like a couple hours for us to do this. Come back later. So go out, do some errands, come back. And I go up to the counter. I'm like, okay, I'm here to pick up my birthday cake that I purchased. Um, she's like, okay, what's the name on it? I said, happy birthday, Jesus. Right? And she goes, happy birthday. Right? And she's like, she's like, she looked at me like I'm a crazy person again. Right? She's like, happy birthday, Jesus? I was like, no, no, no. Like, I don't have a friend <laughs> named Jesus. I have a friend named Jesus. Okay? And I was like, Christmas is about Jesus. This is a great moment. And she's like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. But what I'm trying to talk about here is, is what are we celebrating this Christmas? Is how can you and I celebrate Jesus? How can we make him the reason for the season? How can we put him into the place where this event, where we buy all these gifts and put in a Christmas tree, really is in remembrance of the fact that, that a poor peasant boy was born in the world 2,000 years ago. See, generations come and go. Presents come and go. People come and go. Like, we don't know what 2020 will look like, but we can have hope because Jesus is here, but he's also there. We can celebrate Christ this Christmas. And I'd love for us as a church, as people, to celebrate Jesus. I think it really looks like these three things I'm going to talk about. I pray, that, I pray that we would actually take a moment to reflect, to pause this year at Christmas, to celebrate Jesus. And the first point looks like reflecting on last year. You know, I think for most of us, when you look at the last year, to say, where did I feel the most fear? Where did I feel the most love? Where was I terrified and afraid? Where was I full of gratitude and thanks? I would love for us, as we reflect on the last year, just to every day for the next 24 days in, in December, leading up to Christmas, is just to write down three things you're grateful for. Three things you're thankful for. Because I realize that in my own life, and maybe you're a lot like me, is that gratitude isn't naturally my attitude. That I don't, I have an attitude where when I think about things I'm thankful for, it's sometimes really hard unless I'm practicing that. Unless I'm putting gratitude into practice. And I would love for us as a church to write down three things every day to say, we're so thankful for these things. Whether it's that you're able to to end this year financially in a good, a good spot, that your wife is healthy or your family's healthy or whatever it is, writing those things down. One of the things my family's been doing in the evening around the dinner table is just saying, what's one thing that you're thankful for? And I love hearing my kids because once you start, it just kind of flows out, doesn't it? But what I'm trying to say here is that it's not naturally our attitude to be full of gratitude. That a lot of times our lives, my lives, my life is, is, is full of anything but gratitude. That this year sounded really tough and really hard. But I would love for us to pause and reflect. The second thing is I'd love for us to remind ourselves how he has shown up. How God has provided. 
how he's carried us. Reminding ourselves over and over and over again, I think for us, we are very forgetful people. Right? That we have to dig out news articles from a, a 1918 article in, you know, an Okanagan paper about this, the Spanish flu. Like, I seen this the other day, like, how come no one ever talks about this? Because guess what? We forget. We forget how God has showed up and provided all along the way in 2020. I love this quote by John Piper where it says here that God is doing 10,000 things in your life and you're aware of three of them. Isn't that so true? If we're not reminding ourselves what God's doing constantly in our lives, in our family's life, that we forget. So the first thing I'd love for us as we celebrate Christmas is to reflect, remind, and recommit is the last one. Recommit our lives to him. It's asking the question, what ways have you wandered this past year? Where have you seen yourself, your mind wandering this Christmas as you're so preoccupied about stuff? Or 2021 being a better year, where would you travel? I find myself, my mind wandering all the time. Like when will you ever be able to launch a physical service in 2021? Like where have you wandered? Starting December 1st, that we would love for you to join us in spending each day in the Word, that we have a devotional from John Piper that we want, to, we want you to follow with us. There's a link in the description you can download for free. Or you can buy hard copy on, on Amazon if you want. And I think it's great for us in this season as we recommit our lives and say, maybe I've spent months in escapist behaviors. I've spent months on my Twitter feed on news cycles, watching who won an election, what's happening with the pandemic. Maybe you've been drinking too much, eating too much. These are all escapist behaviors, but what happens here is that I would love for us to recommit our lives to him. So I think celebrating Jesus simply means, you know, reminding us, reflecting last year, reminding how God's been good this past year, how he showed up, how he's carried you, and recommit our lives this Christmas to say, Jesus, this is all about you. I'm celebrating you, that you're the light in the darkness. In a world where everything is, is constantly changing, isn't it? The stability of our faith in Christ has and will enable us to get through these moments together. Though inevitable problems, cancer, death of a loved one's family conflicts at Christmas, financial difficulties, and all sorts of stresses and strains, especially in 2020, will come up. But no matter what you're facing this Christmas, I would love for you to try to celebrate the real thing. Try celebrating Jesus. Because it will make all the difference this year knowing that Jesus came to save us, that it's in his name that you and I were thought of in his name. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how you know every person in Kelowna, how you know everyone in this video stream, 
in their homes, in their living rooms, on their iPhones or iPads, that you know us, God, that you love us, and that you will relentlessly pursue us until our last breath. Father, I pray that we would reflect on this past year. I'd reflect and say, these are moments where I felt so much fear and angst and uncertainty. But in the midst of all that, God, here are three things I'm so thankful for every day. I pray, Lord, that we would remind ourselves of how you showed up. I know I need to remind myself that we are so forgetful. I'm so forgetful of how you showed up and carried me this year. And Lord, I pray that I recommit my life to you, to following you every single day, to being your disciple, to celebrating you this Christmas. Father, help us to celebrate in a way that we can share that with our neighbors and friends, coworkers and family members, even though we are socially distanced. Help us to a season, Jesus, to get through this. I love how you've led our church, how you've actually done so much more than we possibly do on our own, that you are showing us that you have a mission field in Kelowna, that you want to see churches planted in Kelowna, that you want to see people come to know you, that you want prodigals to come home. Lord, I pray that we'd celebrate you this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.